the football pod. Booing and the jeering and the anticipation. And then as he strikes it, there's that intake of breath because he puts the bloody ball 14 uh, yards the, the second he hits it, I knew we were under pressure. Like. Subscribe to the football pod on the OTB Sports app now. Well, if we're talking GEA figures of legendary status, then Brian Cody is and has been in that upper echelon for quite some time. On Saturday, it was confirmed after a week of rumour that he'd be stepping down as Kilkenny manager and the numbers really are just off the charts. Longevity alone, 24 seasons in charge. That is 282 league and championship matches, thousands of training sessions in between, as you might imagine. And then the medals are nuts as well. 11 All-Irelands. We have 18 Leinster wins. We have 10 National Leagues contested, 19 All-Irelands, and they are just the headline figures. Very happy to say two of his uh, lieutenants are on the line. Eddie Brennan, how you doing? Chris, first lieutenants. <laughs> <laughs> and Michael Fenley is with us as well. Hi, Michael. Joel, how are things? Yeah, great. I was just having a look at some of the numbers. You feature in a few of them. So the Irish Examiner did a whole chart up. So, Eddie, you had uh, the eighth highest number of appearances under Cody in his 282 matches you played 113 of them JJ Delaney was the uh, number one there 144 and then Michael you'll like this in in terms of highest win percentage uh, you are number one if Fenley was in the team there was a fair old chance Kilkenny were winning <laughs> 70 7 0, 70 matches under Cody and Fenley's record is 160 drew 5 and then five losses, which is just outrageous. That puts you number one. So when you were in the team, he was feeling good, Michael. I should look, Joe. That's the that's the the, the, the answer there. That's the the, <laughs> the, the magic answer. Um, obviously, you know, I, I know it wasn't the highest for amount of games I played. Anyway, I'd say I'm I'm well down the leaderboard on that now. But uh, but yeah, probably it wasn't a ratio of training to matches anyway. That's for sure. <laughs> you missed a lot. Of- <laughs> yeah, so that's that's not uh, yeah, not surprising in one way. Quality, quantity, quality over quantity. I mean, look, Brennan's there churning out all the losses. You come in, you win, you're done. <laughs> out you go. Uh, so it's an interesting stat, Joe. I said this before. Yeah. Fenno, I think, uh, took part in two full internal training sessions <laughs> during the season of 2011 and one hurler the year. <laughs> I could be wrong, Fenno. It wasn't much more than that. <laughs> Quality old but, but but where I was, I was on the sideline, running up and down the sideline for that full year, looking at the boys hurling, and that was something that drove me on. I suppose every time that I had to get fitter, maybe or I had to keep driving. But uh, but yeah, look, it's very fortunate to be even playing in those games, to be honest, and getting the start. And thankfully, they went okay. Um, so a bit of momentum in that, I suppose, in one sense. So Cody, uh, sixty-eight years of age now. I mean, it's kind of quaint to think of a 44-year-old Brian Cody getting the job in 1998 and sure we'll see how he goes because it wasn't like with his uh, club management career he you know pulled up trees uh, necessarily just even on the longevity alone fellas uh, I mean you, you'd both obviously have a, have a sense of the requirements of inter-county uh, management just on, on longevity Eddie I mean that is astounding to do that from the age of 44 to 68 It is it's, it's, it's actually ridiculous Joe because uh, I was kind of trying to get my head around it there the last couple of days you know obviously the rumours were, were going to the roof since last week um, and I just kind of was trying to put my head get my head, a sense of that and when you think of it year after year it's just outrageous because there is so much involved nowadays uh, what that has evolved from in November 98 when he took it on and where it has gone to now because uh, you know you wake up first thing you, you know you go to sleep on a Sunday night uh, churn around in your head jobs that are ahead for the week ahead um, 
then you get up Monday morning as soon as you wake if that's five o'clock your, your brain kicks into gear and that is the life of an intercounty manager from my experience and I think uh, you try to put a bit of context in in how how important Brian was and, and what he done was you look at the satisfaction that opposition teams drew out of beating Kilkenny you know they, they, they looked at Brian Cody's teams as the benchmark um, they looked at how he, you know, was was just such a commanding figure on the sideline, and, and the example even I take just from talking to Fenno there was 2016. There was two epic games. There was an epic game in Croke Park, followed by one I think down in Torles, in which we got over the line. 2013 was another massive game down in Torles against Waterford, and then in 17, when Waterford finally got over the line. You know, you could see what it meant to them to 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 beat a Brian Cody team. So. He was the benchmark for all others. And, and again, you look at the amount of managers he has fended off in his time with Kilkenny as well. It's just it's just astounding, really. Well, the Le- appetite he has, like, it's just out of this world. Out of this world. Leach and Offaly have had 15 managers. He's seen them off. Limerick, 11 managers. Cork have had 10 managers in his time. And you take the likes of Galway, Tipperary, Clare. They've had nine managers to Kilkenny's one. Michael, he never seemed at any stage in those 24 years to be in any way burnt out or jaded or had taken a, a down year. Yeah, exactly, Joe. I think maybe the only year was 2013 when he actually fell. Uh, he had a, a heart surgery, I think, in around that time. Um, he was out maybe two or three months. That's the only time I can think of when he took a bit of a break. And uh, and at that, like, he never told anyone about it. I think literally we were told today that he was going in for the heart surgery, that he just had the heart surgery and he was out for, you know, a number of weeks or a few months. Didn't feel like that long, to be fair. Like, you know, but that was a substantial heart surgery from, from, from memory. And, uh, and he came back, like, in good form and full of energy, like, you know, which, which is surprising to see because, again, the intercounty management job is a stressful job. You know, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of people who you have to manage. Um, and, you know, like you're switched on 24-7, like, you know. So uh, I suppose the beauty of Brian Joe was he used to probably say the same thing over and over to a certain degree during my 12 years there. And he'd say it himself that he said it before. But it never felt like he replicated things. It never felt yeah. like it was the same old, same old. It used to always feel like this is new or, you know, the, the way he used to say it. And it wasn't a case of changing up words or anything. It was probably saying the same thing, but just he was such a great speaker. He'd hold the room anytime he, he spoke, like like no other that, that I'd ever seen, you know, very well articulated. And just, I suppose, the power of, of his communication was one of his really big assets. Maybe expanding that for uh, us for a bit, Michael, because, I again, I would have thought there's only so many ways you can say, lads, we need to work hard and win our own ball. Yeah, so look, I've been doing a bit of digging on this myself, funny enough, because it's, it's a line of your PhD in, in terms of some of the findings and results and, and communication is a big, big uh, area of management, whether it's business or whether it's sport. And it's the facial expressions, it's the tone of voice, it's how you come across your body language. It's all those things, Joe. And I think, you know, it was all of that, basically. He's, he's a towering man. Like, you know, I, I'm six foot three. I think Brian is six three or six four, but but he feels like he's a couple of inches on me, to be honest. He feels like he's quite overpowering, quite dominant. And, uh, and when he talks, like, you know, it just, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, there's a, a, an aura or, an, or, yeah, there's an aura really or an atmosphere of just kind of a bit of tension. Um, everyone's listening. He, he never talks for too long. He gets his point across quite quickly. Um, and is always talking sense, to be honest. You know, I've never, ever witnessed the time where he, he went off in one really where he was talking nonsense yeah. or just he dragged on. He just always spoke very, very well and articulated himself very well and just a huge motivator within how he spoke. I heard you nodding or, or, or homing in agreement there, Eddie. Yeah, I, I'd absolutely agree with what Fenno said there. I, I think consistency is something that as a manager you crave from your players or from your group. Consistency in how you apply yourself and everything. He was so consistent with how he managed the team as well. 
because the message, you know, the messages were consistent all the time, what he, what he expected from us. But uh, I think as Fennel said there as well, he could often walk into the room and we'd be all buzzing and chirping and talking and without ever saying, quieting down, lads, we all stopped talking. You know, he never had to even say that. He just, he had a huge presence there. And, you know, I suppose that's something that, you know, in, 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 in you know, nonverbal communication is so important. Like, and, and I've, I'd have to say, I, I thought of that I'm obviously a little bit shorter than Fenno and that. And, uh, you know, you're looking at that when you're in a dressing room, you know, is the likes of that, you know, something that's really, really important. And I suppose if you don't have that physical, you know, presence or aura about you when you walk in, you know, it's, it's looking at something else. But without doubt, um, as Fenno said there, I never, ever heard him waffle in a meeting. I never, ever heard him, you know, wander off point and lose himself in, in the point he was trying to make, which I can say I'm, I'm definitely guilty of. But he was always able to deliver his point, deliver his message in a real minimum amount of words but it was again how he you know gesticulated that or how he used his you know his body to maybe reinforce a point and just knew it was genuine so mm. they're all I suppose things that he has, has learned over the years and I would suggest even too is that Brian you know maybe had some of that naturally but I would hazard a guess that he was you know maybe done a lot of work on stuff like that behind the scenes unbeknown to us just, just reading up on other managers maybe across world sport, maybe just seeing what the consistencies are. And I think when from the books I've read anyway, there's so many of them there, there's the, the commonalities are so present in, in Brian Cody's style of management. It's so interesting you say that, Eddie, because I was just about to ask, you know, for instance, Michael, you've given it some thought too, if you felt this was all instinctive on Cody's part or if this was learned behaviour in some ways or very practised behaviour in some ways. Yeah, I think I think there, there's a lot of it natural, to be honest, as Eddie alluded to. And I think actually, I, I think for me to have that consistency in that persona and, and actually deliver that message year year on year out, I think you have to be somewhat natural. But I think he definitely evolved and definitely looked at different directions to send messages, whether it's you know the, the spirit within the group. So again, he would have focused on certain values throughout those years and drove those messages home. So I've no doubt that came from different ideas or different books um, or read, reading different things, it came up, came up with some of that stuff. But I definitely think just that sternness he has and that tone of voice he has, like mm-hmm. there's a lot of natural ability there, I think. And, and as Eddie said, like just even seven o'clock could be, you know, the, uh, the time for training to start. Like, and sometimes I'd be come off the physio bed maybe and I'm inside, get my boots on. And next thing he could walk or, you know, in around the hallway or dressing room. And next thing you're just sprinting out as fast as you can out to the field before he sees you maybe. Like, you know, or if he did see you, like, you know, he wouldn't say anything and just you're belting out, like, you know, booting out to the field. So he just, he just had that. Like, there's yeah. a, probably a fear element there too, Joe, without a doubt. Like, yeah. And um, that was always there. And I, I don't think anyone ever, you know, got away from that. And I don't think even Henry would have got away from that when he was a player like and they probably had a you know really good relationship at that time um so like yeah look there's different elements of it and i'm no doubt myself and eddie and, and other players that, that have gone on and, and gone into a bit of management we probably Im- imitated them without even knowing it sometimes like you know but in, in our yeah. first year maybe our second year but then i suppose we, we begin to figure out ourselves and, and our own style and what works for us the mad thing is he's been an ever-present if you're a ga fan sports fan he's been an ever-present for 24 years and he is so utterly familiar to us on the outside in so many ways as mannerisms and like I can see Cody spitting into his hands on the sideline as if he's about to go out and play himself and all these kind of uh, images pop into your mind and yet I know nothing about the man 
Like, I, you know, you think of other managers, I can see them celebrating All-Ireland wins with kids or with family. I don't know anything of, of, of that side of Cody whatsoever. And even, Michael, you mentioned the heart surgery there. I mean, I think most um, sports people in that situation, you suspect they might be part of a campaign the following year about, you know, getting your heart checked or, you know. Can you imagine how many interview requests that man has turned down from the Late Late Show and everybody else? Like in 24 years and just no interest. And, and it's kind of funny, you said he had the surgery and it wasn't like it was, you know, he was giving all you guys his inner, innermost thoughts. So like a difficult man, Eddie, to get very close to for, from, from this vantage point, certainly, and, and probably to an extent even as a player. Yeah, definitely. And, and again, I come back to consistency. I think uh, there's, there's a level of that, as Fenno said, you, you know, it has to be natural because otherwise if you're trying to put on something and trying to be someone you're not, it will catch up with you and you'll be found out. It's not genuine. It's not real. So I think, you know, on, on, in that regard, he, he was so consistent. And I would even argue, you know, I, I read for Alex Ferguson, you know, referred to even, you know, the post-match interviews as being really important. I think Brian Cody's were well planned out. And I think in his own head, he was utterly consistent with those. He gave very little away. He was, he was quite general and, you know, always passed himself off quite well with interviewers, poor old Marty one time. But um, <laughs> generally, I think he was so consistent. But in the group, like, I mean, you're talking about maybe, you know, being close to him. Yeah, we, we, we got to know him, you know, and, and it wasn't put on by Brian. He, he was never trying to be someone he wasn't with us. Like, he was himself out and out. But I think he got a kick out of, you know, even the group, like the celebrations, you know, from, I suppose, uh, a part, you know, he would be there part of it, but not necessarily, you know, let fly or letting the handbrake off. I think he got a kick out of seeing us kind of enjoying things like even on team holidays, you know, he never was overpowering or ever looking over your shoulder. He was more than happy to let us off and do our thing. I think even on some of the team holidays, you wouldn't even know he was around, you know, and mm. he never was intrusive in that regard. Like, but I suppose, like you said there with the likes of the heart surgery and stuff, he was solely focused on what was the best for Kenny. Mm. Everything else he saw as a distraction. He did not want to yeah. be participating in or anything like that. And Eddie, even on the team holidays away from the public there, like I, I suspect he wasn't getting up and singing Piano Man or something. No, I think, I think one year some of the, the girls might have managed to get him up on a, on a counter in a, in a pub somewhere over in Asia somewhere I don't know <laughs> but um, I, th I think there was but that would be you know in fairness to him like he, he wasn't you know he wasn't rude either like he would be there and he would be happy that I think what he was probably more mindful of was that we were all there together mm -hmm. I think that was the key thing with Brian he was very much focused on the group and I'm sure from afar he watched even how we interacted he put a huge value on us. The only time I ever heard him maybe having a little kind of growl at us about our interactions was that you had to go down to Langton's for the food. That was part of training session to go down there and sit down together and be each other's company and have those chats. And he put probably huge value on those things. And like I said, the one word I've been trying to think of, it comes back to what you've heard him say it and just spirit was everything to him and, and that spirit of the group. And anyone that came between that or interfered with that, he, he would be happy to make that decision. Yeah. Michael, the word ruthless would be used about him as well. Yeah, without a doubt. And just to, to fo follow on just from Eddie's point there, I recall maybe my first or second year in up down Langton's after one of the matches and the uh, league match and myself and my house housemate uh, PJ Delaney, we uh, the girlfriends were down there basically in Langton's and 
we met them we said here sure we'll have food with these like you know and, and the players were close by basically having their food and that was all grand and brain sauce there or whatever and didn't, didn't think anything of it and then on the Tuesday night then he called me 7 PG before training and basically said uh, the players eat together and that's it and we were like right no <laughs> and uh, and that was that and you know even the holidays too there was a bit of talks about lads going here and going there and Brian kind of put a stop to that quick enough said everyone goes together right. we all go together wherever we're going so definitely that side of things was, was important and look he, he kept his distance and I think probably I came in in 06 Eddie was there a good few years previous to me and, I, and Eddie probably could tell us a bit more about this now but I think he probably was a bit more engaged and a bit more you know, a bit more friendship maybe there, maybe earlier on. But I think he, he would have learned himself yeah. that he needs to keep distance and needs, you know, he's not here to make friends as such. He's here to do a job. He's here to get yeah, Kenny Hurling up to a high level. He's here to bring back Neil McCarthy Cups. And what better way to do that is maybe to keep his distance as a manager to a degree and, uh, and you know, manage that effectively. And I th- think he treated everyone pretty much the same in that context as well. Like no one was ever favoured on, on, any, on any side of that, basically. Yeah, I did. I think, yeah, I, I did just that, on that, Joe. Yeah. yeah, just on that, I think. 2004, I think he definitely felt that uh, maybe a little bit of loyalty to certain players uh, in the run into that 04 All-Ireland or during that series probably maybe cost us. And, and, and I can say hand and heart, you know, looking back on that, my own form wasn't very good. And I think he, he probably felt afterwards that, you know, he looked at, I think when you lose, it's the symptoms of losing. You see the little small things that 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 are, that, that are those inches that you lose it on. And I think in his gut, his heart of hearts that time, I think he felt no. He said, you know, I, I much and all as I, you know, I'm attached to the lads and I'm responsible for them and all that. I think he definitely did want to make sure that it interfered with a decision that was in the best interest of the team. Mm, that's interesting so that's you know that shows a certain human side that he knows if he lets himself he could become very friendly with the players but it's almost I'm not going to let that happen yeah and, and, and with that Joe as well and I've said this there the last few days like that you know anything you know we never heard like I never heard you know stuff that happened with Fenno behind the scenes or vice versa and I'm talking hypothetically here like Brian Cody was so confidential with anything like you know I had one or two things where you know, I was, you know, you went to him privately about something and, or he would contact you and that was it. You knew that it would not be discussed in the group or not, it wouldn't get out or anything like that. And I think it was, you know, there were certain probably funny episodes too that we only heard in later years went on and you just, you never heard them at the time. But I suppose we were all so focused on getting the bit most out of ourselves. You nearly, you didn't want to know about, you know, other little bits and pieces, but and there was no doubt about it. Look, as Fenno said there, the, you know, the word stern and firm and ruthless and all that. Um, but there was also very much a human side there. And, you know, I think, you know, Larks was probably the one example of that that was to the forefront. So mm. there was there was a bit of everything. But, you know, ultimately, I suppose his, his, his focus was, what do I do here to get the best out of somebody or what's in the best interest of the group to help this individual or whatever? Yeah, well, you're talking of a trust that was there as well then amidst everything yeah. else. You know, if you could go to him, that that speaks of a certain trust for sure. Yeah, no, without a doubt, Joe, and you have to have that with, with your manager and players. Like, uh, and speaking of trust, there, I'll tell you a funny one. We were uh, up in Carton House there for a weekend for a training camp back maybe in 13, uh, probably 14, 15, I'd say, 2014 maybe, or even earlier, actually, sorry, no, maybe 2011, 2012. And um, 
and I think we we played poorly in one of our games, championship games. And I think we won, but we're doing an analysis afterwards. And um, now this is trust between players. And um, and you know, Brian was asking the question, like you know, what was happening here, what was going on, like you know, we're losing a lot of balls here, and we weren't playing well. And I think Michael Rice said, uh, look, I don't think we trust each other, you know, uh, on the field. And next thing, everyone's like, oh, jeez, no trust. There's no trust, uh, you know, within the team. And Tommy Welsh goes, well, the forwards are not working hard enough. Uh, Tommy said something like this in a way. The next thing, the forwards are looking across at Tommy in a way, and we're playing an internal game then uh, the following day. And uh, and basically, the first ball Tommy got in a way at half back, he was absolutely polaxed by about four, four or five different <laughs> forwards. And Richie Power was, was one of them who was in the front trying to trying to kill him. So look, that was probably more trust around players. But but as I said, Brian, Brian had that confidence there and um, with players and and you know anything he had to say around that that was private. And again, everyone goes through different things, whether it's relationship, financial, college. Uh, Work-wise, you know, um, he, he was always open there to talk to, and and he had that. Yeah, he definitely had that uh, sensitive side, I suppose, that no one else really saw a whole pile, mm. and we saw glimpses of it every so often when it was needed. Yeah, because I saw in Dennis Walsh at a piece of the weekend, and for instance, he he quoted John Tennyson, who said, "If you were out of favour, I suppose, in terms of uh, team selection, you could go months without a word from him." You know, it wasn't like he was coming over to put an arm around your shoulder and make sure you're okay, that you're not in the team. You were outside the team and you have to fight your way back in. That seems to be the environment he was happy enough to create, Eddie, or thought it was the best environment. Is that your memory of how it was? Yeah, well, I can I can relate to that. In 2006, I certainly um, found myself on the outside and I came very, very close to, to jacking the whole thing in. Um, you know, I had a, a very, very poor league campaign. I, took, I got in for the Antrim and the league match and the leash match was was the extent of my participation. And it was just, you know, I was playing poorly. There's no doubt about that. But then when it came to championship, I felt, you know, you were coming back into form and different things. And there was a level of, there was actually no communication really from them to say, look, and sometimes you crave that. I think you, you, you just need something to maybe, just a word here or there can sometimes fix it. But I suppose I would like to think that he was kind of keeping you out in the cold, making you want to come back in or that you want, he wanted you to figure it out for yourself. Now, I'd argue, look, maybe a little bit more, but at the same time, it worked because it was it was, it was was down to me. You know, there was no point in me kind of saying, well, Fenno can fix it for me or Cav or whoever can fix it for me. I can't. I have to go fix it myself and you have to start approaching train in a better frame of mind or you have to, you know, it forced me to go and find the answers myself. And, and so in that regard, um, you can say, look, there's, I found it worked for me because you just, you wanted it enough to go and find the answers yourself. But, um, but certainly at times, look, there was, there was that going on. But um, I think, uh, you know, in, in modern maybe coaching, I suppose you'd like to think that, look, maybe there's a little bit of that goes on um, a little bit more. You have to, I suppose, tailor your approach because, you know, you're talking about a multitude of different personalities now. So, you know, what worked for me might necessarily work for the guy next year. But at the same time, um, what you have to, I suppose, you, you look at is is, is the record. And, and and sometimes, you know, there's there's a little bit of collateral damage sometimes with that. And, yeah. and, and sometimes, you know, and, and I suppose that's a manager's big decision is, or big dilemmas sometimes is, is, you know, what's the greater need here or what's the the the, the, the focus in, with a view to getting the group to perform or whatever the next day. But um yeah, it's a tricky one. It's it's and and look, every manager will probably be different in how they how they deal with it. Mm. That is seriously sink or swim stuff, though, Michael. 
Uh, look, it is, Joe. It is. Look, I think a lot of us struggled probably personally um, at times, especially when you're not going well and you probably don't know where you stand, maybe. Like, you know, and I would have probably struggled myself in the first couple of years, you know, in and out of farm, injuries. And and sometimes, yeah, look, you, you do need a word in the year in terms of what you need to do. And funny enough, for, you know, it was actually Mick Dempsey actually leading leading into 2007 All Ireland final against Limerick. We're about two weeks out, and uh, and I was hurling all right. I was coming on in, in the games and that, and, and making a bit of an impact, but probably still hurling average enough. And uh, I remember I was poking around before training session, and Mick just kind of was coming coming over towards me, and he was uh, putting out Cohen's, and he just said to me, "Would you ever just get stuck into stuck into train? Just get stuck into it." Mm. And I kind of those words just literally just <laughs> fell to me like here. Yeah, I need I need to really step up here now, or else I won't be on the I won't be on the twenty six or the thirtieth time, or I might even make the panel. Like that's what I was thinking. I was thinking worst case scenario here, like I won't even make the, the yeah. match day. And by God, did I throw myself into that session that day and uh, ended up actually doing ta- a tackling drill with Henry, the worst person I could I could have got. But my God, I gave him hell. Now he still won most of the balls, but I, I made sure he didn't get it out too easy. And uh, and in the match then too, I just absolutely ran everywhere. I ran myself to death in that, in that session. And lo and behold, I came on at halftime um, that day against Limerick and thankfully did, did well and I came yeah. on. But those words were absolutely key to me. They were golden and they would have came from Mick. Um, and just so it's just going back in your point on with Brian, like I have seen players probably who have went away uh, because probably didn't get that bit of communication. But I have to say, from my own experience as manager, you have forty odd players there. It's next to impossible to get to all forty players. Right. It's next yeah. to impossible to give every bit of communication to each and every player. The one to ones that that they all crave for, they can't. You, you can't do it. Uh, your management team is no. massively important, and even at that, is still a struggle. And uh, and sometimes, as Eddie said, you got to work things out for themselves. And you, you don't want to be, you know, having one to ones every week either. Like you know, and constantly with on players. And sometimes I think just leave them alone, maybe, and, and let them figure it out. So it's a uh, it's a balancing act. Uh, a lot of us, like I, I, I nearly went myself in 2010. TJ Reid nearly went since 2011. I think you know. So uh, it was cutthroat. It was ruthless. Without a shadow of a doubt. Um, and maybe Brian wasn't wasn't uh, aware maybe of players suffering a bit maybe with a lack of communication I don't know to be honest um, there was never major feedback and that side of things as players maybe nowadays you can do surveys and stuff and we're probably a bit more modern maybe with what we do but uh, but I, I have to say you never get it right though no, no. That's, it's, it's so interesting to get those insights I mean one area where you'd have to say Eddie he really did uh, modernise is in terms of Kilkenny's tactical approach even just in, in recent years and in some ways, it almost speaks to his pragmatism because I still do, I still think he winces when he watches some of the short puckouts and some of the short passing, but he's, he goes along with it because he understands it's where the game is. And that, in a way, is the ultimate kind of pragmatism. Yeah, it possibly is, Joe, but I suppose I'd still have reservations on that because, um, you know, I, I still think, you know, in the crunch times, you know, maybe, you know, we, we could have done a little bit more over the last few years, but... At the same time, um, I think he has shown definitely a flexibility that you know will will you know we have to adjust because we're being hurt by it. But ultimately, I suppose that is what hurling is all about now. Is you're still trying to strong arm the opposition to play it on your terms. And Brian had his core philosophy that he always wanted, like he wanted us to maybe adapt, maybe deal with whatever was coming at us. If that meant adjusting a little bit, so be it. But then. Obviously, after that, then it's trying to to put our stamp on the match as well, and and yeah, I think he was he was he was he was definitely open to all of that, um, and and had to look at that, and and I think you know I suppose you don't survive that long without being able to evolve a little bit anyway, because mm. um, you just won't because what what washed 
four years ago, five years ago, may not just work now, you know. And and, and I suppose that is the ultimate trick. His longevity speaks volumes and gives you your answer there because yeah. he was still able to do it and he was still the one that all the other managers they can and I'll you know from where I was looking at the other and finally but looking at it afterwards by God John Kiley caught a worried figure towards the end of that match when Kenny were eating into the lead you know he knew what his players were going to do but I suppose a two point lead is so dangerous in any you know in, in hurling or football and and you could just see like and I suppose that was what was there in the back of their mind much as their coaching you know and, and what they had done with the team was working he was still conscious that, you know, Kilkenny had that kick and that Cody, you know, that Cody factor. So I suppose it does, there's a bit of everything in that. Yeah, for sure. And actually, I mean, going back the years, Michael, it was often, you know, like Kilkenny publicly would kind of eschew any talk of tactical masterclasses. But then you'd watch them and you'd have half forwards working back, you'd have midfielders tracking back. Like people, I mean, maybe they were just given license to do what you feel is right and there was such a collective intelligence they ended up doing the right thing anyway. But I mean, I can't think half forwards were working back so hard without the say-so of the manager either. Yeah, sure. I, th- I think you're on the money. As I think about myself there lately too, like, and, you know, we probably never heard the word tactics, maybe. That's why we all think we, we never did tactics, but of course our half <laughs> Never said the word, yeah. Never said the word, yeah. I swear to God, I never heard this is our this is our system uh, well, the weekend well, or this so, is our style sorry style to interrupt on, on, on that point I remember just chatting off air with the Kenny player neither are you two and I said but you did do this you had your half forward back line so you know your half back wasn't getting dragged out and your full back was protected you, you did all that and he said to me that's not tactics I was like what <laughs> what is tactics <laughs> <laughs> no it, it's exactly that it's, it's our style of play like and how we set up and uh 100% we did it against Cork Puckouts in, in you know, the, the 06s or so. We would have spread ourselves and made sure that you could get to one, if not two players. We didn't go man for man. Like We definitely set up different ways. But we, yeah, we just never said the word, really. Like For us, I suppose, it's quite simplistic or half-forward, like working back. Sure. But obviously, we see, we see Limerick now doing it the last couple of years and how effective that they've managed it with their inside line. Another year, I think we had Henry in full forward and we kind of isolated him in there nearly on his own with the full back in, in one of the semi-finals, I think, maybe, um, of the championship, like, you know, which worked. Wow. Well, as well, so, as well. so we definitely did a couple mean, yeah. of things. Definitely did a couple of things like that. Without that, we man marked players uh, in certain games, and and to be fair, we probably, we probably did it very much so when we drew the match. So it was kind of a, you know, uh, okay, we, we <laughs> got to do something different. Yeah, yeah, if we do a quick fix here, now we got to start something out here. Now that they're hurting us maybe in this area, so we got to we got to start it. So. So definitely, we, we did different things like that. But but back then, you see, right, we had the players that could that could catch ball, that could win their own ball. Like there was a large element of that. Like we had six forwards at times back in the golden era, where any one of them could be man of the match in any given day. Like genuinely, um, half hour line could play in the full forward lane, full forward lane could play in the half hour lane, no problem, and still start out their own position. Like yeah. you know, so like Tommy Welsh would have alluded to before. Like he used to get the ball and just drive it down the field. Like you know, and a large part of it, I did that as well. I watched back to 2014 All Ireland there uh, a number of months ago. And I was nearly embarrassed looking at just what the ball I gave away from hitting it. I thought I, was, I thought I was a right lad hitting it, but I was hitting it straight down, straight down uh, to the Prairie lads, and they were hitting it back to us. Uh, and 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 they were a little little more economical that day, but we still got the upper hand eventually, like you know. But uh, yeah, look, uh, tactics. We definitely did. We definitely did some of it without a doubt. And. Um, just we had a really strong crop of players during that time, and and you know, look, we, we could we, we could we could be quite simplistic to a certain degree as well, like you know, with our formation and that, like you know, and and it, it worked it worked out all right in the end. Yeah. So Eddie, as we as we bring the chat to a close, like for you, what what was the defining characteristic or characteristics of a Brian Cody team, and and what made him and his team so great? I think it was just reflective of of him really in that 
it meant everything to him to go out in the field and give it your all that your spirit was unbreakable and that you would just never give up. I think that was it, no matter what it was, that you went to the bitter end. And I think we saw that particularly uh, with a couple of the All-Irelands. I was sitting analysing anyway in, you know, in 14 and 15, uh, maybe 12 as well, that there was a couple of matches in those years and even 16, we looked dead and buried, I think particularly the day in Watford, against Watford up in Croke Park. Watford opened up a seven or eight point lead that day and they almost got spooked and got afraid and they retreated and invited the lads on them and, and, and they just stayed going, stayed going, stayed going and just focused on the next ball. And I think that's what Brian was always about. He, you know, he was just, you play it out to the very, very end. And I think that was something that outside of Kilkenny definitely was something that was commented on far and wide over the last while that, mm. that you just, they were never beaten. And and I think that's, that's, that's him to the core. And I suppose even it reflects even maybe right up to last Sunday week, he just, you know, right to the very end, they were going and he was going. Well, I mean, that, Michael, that's what it jumped out to me about all the teams, that elemental, relentless core to Cody and therefore to his teams, that even some of their defeats of late without the players of the golden age, there's, geez, like they, they, they die on their shields, which is, which is an extraordinary thing to be able to somehow imbue every single team you come across with. Yeah, Joe, I've rarely seen a time where Kenny have been, you know, outfought uh, badly in a game or they gave up in a game. Like, genuinely, I can't actually picture a time that, yeah. act- that actually happened. And uh, and they just keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going. And, like, large parts is Brian being a huge motivator. Large parts is Brian instilling confidence uh, in, the, in the players that are playing and coming on. And a large part is you're fighting for your place, Joe, as well. You know, that's a large element of it where I never focus on winning a game or anything like that, basically. I just focused on my performance and just getting the best out of me because I knew if I didn't perform, I'd be on the line and there'd be a new fell in there. And I think Eddie was probably the same. Like, you know, you yeah. were constantly performing and training, concept and performing matches to try and hold on to that jersey. And I think that's the a, a large environment of what he had and still has to this day. Mm. Uh, and that's the reasoning why maybe, you know, the boys are still fighting until the the bitter end and, and it's a, a, a great admiration for it and it's a great identity yeah. that's associated with Brian Cody and Kenny that they just never ever give up and just, just one or two other points Joe just you mentioned the take, numbers take game your time. as well take your time take your time yeah but just from the examiner like that that that, that article was interesting um, before the All-Ireland like and I think it was like a 77% success rate in championship is what Brian has and he's a 73% uh, success rate in National League you know two of them two of them percentages are absolutely phenomenal like they're, they're all blacks territory here in terms of what we're talking and this is true one manager this is not true four or five different managers over a 23 24 year period so what he's done is, is, is unbelievable and it probably will never ever be done again without a doubt to commit all that time um, your personal time to, to Kilkenny and uh, to the greater good of Kilkenny will never be done and just in my last year Joe I was I think it was 2017 in in November we, we met right I was I was looking to go back basically uh, for 2018 that was my plan initial plan I was after coming off of three injuries against Waterford um, in the summer of 2017 and I was kind of wondering is this like you know are these red flags to say give up your body just can't go anymore and I said look I'd I'd, I'd potentially stay on like you know so went to the pre- pre-season meeting and all that kind of stuff and got back into the gym side of it but one thing he said that day and, and I kept note of it myself and normally I wouldn't do this too often and I would have, would have used this in one or two uh, to work workshops with uh, with companies and again a lot of stuff that happens in Kilkenny for me it's sacred and you don't really you don't really share with the media and that, but there is certain things then that I think it's important to share and, and important to, for people to see of the, of the great that the greatness that actually did happen. But the quote was, 
Um, and again, there's a lot of quotes going around at the moment, but uh, this is definitely uh, genuine brain Cody here now. Uh, so each of you are here because each of you are good enough to be here. But you don't have to be here. If this isn't for you, then tell us and we'll sort something out. But for those of you who want to be here, we expect absolute hard work and commitment from you that you will give absolutely everything you have for that Kenny jersey. And that just, you know, stuck out in spades to me. Like, mm -hmm. you know, we brought in a, a lot of young players that year as well. Like, you know, there's a, a big panel of maybe 45, 50. And I was like, mother of God, like, you know, like lads have an option here now to get out if they want or else yeah. you, you give it your all. Like, you know, and just again, the way, the way I said it, say it's not great now, but the way Brian says it is, uh, is just, <laughs> money. It's, it's, it's just to the heart, it's stern. And you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to, to run through walls here. You needed to go full Morgan Freeman on that, Fennel. <laughs> oh, that, was, that, that was that was brilliant that thanks was so much job. for bringing that yeah, yeah that's great but that was it Joe I think that that perfectly you know sums it up because he, he never forced you to be there but once you decided I'm in and that was correlates to the point we met about sink or swim and if you you know you, you sank or swam in training in Nolan Park and that was it that was the ultimate background yeah well it's such a clever way of positioning this arrangement that we have you don't have to be here you know yeah puts, puts back in the player like we've asked you in but here yeah it's up to you now whether you want to commit to this or not and decide now and and it was it wasn't the case of here if yeah. you're not off you go it's like here we'll start something out for you like obviously you've got <laughs> it was a nice it's way to water it. <laughs> <laughs> wow amazing did you text him on saturday michael i did i did i did text him i um I just said, look, obviously, well done and that, like for the commitment and uh, all the year service that he done. And I think he needs to bring Elsie out for a bit of dinner now or give her a bit of time now of his life, like, you know, but, uh, but yeah, I did text him and uh, look, I have a, a decent enough relationship with Brian. Like, again, it won't be ringing him or anything on a, on a weekly or monthly basis. By any time we run into each other, we'd have a chat. It'd probably very similar to Eddie, like, you know, so uh, very much that way. That, and what are you talking about? You're talking about hurling. You know, that's what you yeah. talk about. Yeah. And, um, and just, yeah, look, he's, he just loves it, I suppose, you know, obviously for, for, for committing his life for, for that long. Did you reach out to him, Eddie? No, I didn't. Not yet, Joe. So I said I'd let, let the dust settle the small bit because I've no doubt, you know, there's a bombardment there. But yeah, no, look, I, I would have texted him in the run-up to the All-Ireland, wished him luck. And uh, as Fenno said, I think that's 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 the beauty of the group is that we probably don't meet up as much as we would like. Uh, maybe that's for down the line. But I think when you do run into each other, it's easy. And I suppose that's reflective of of maybe the the, the strength of the group and, and, and what it means in there. But um, yeah, look, I think, look, in time, I said, you let the dust settle and, and I said, text him or give him a call because, uh, look, he, he facilitated us, uh, you know, doing what we do and, and getting to Croke Park. And, and I definitely think last Sunday, as I sat there watching that match, you just went, God, I love it. I wish I was down there. Yeah. And, and, and that's what it's all about. Yeah. I and mean, as I said, he let us do that. I presume the county board will do it or you should do it. Some kind of get together, a reunion of his 24 years, all the players who played under him and have an amazing night together, you know, because um, it's the funny. It's the funny nice. thing is, Joe, I don't. Yeah, we'll ha there, there should be something to market, mm. but it would be just so. And Brian just is not. He, he doesn't like that stuff. I think he would like a real, uh, unofficial, just almost off the cuff meeting of everyone. Say, look, if you're what, well, just come in because I think it's one thing that he doesn't really like. He wouldn't like to be to have that done and there will be look there's no doubt there's, there's, there's definitely stuff that's going to be showered on him over the next few weeks and rightly so I think he has deserved it he has earned it um, but uh, yeah sure look who knows Fenno and the lads will get a committee in place <laughs> <laughs>
we'll get, we'll get a holiday we'll, we'll go abroad yeah. <laughs> now you're thinking now you're thinking uh, listen uh, apologies listeners I've danced around this long enough obviously the point of this piece is not to pay tribute to Brian Cody it is for Eddie and Michael to declare their candidacy for the <laughs> vacancy uh, we'll get the ball rolling we'll start with you Eddie what do you think you can bring to the role <laughs> very little I don't want to be David Moyes well isn't that, I mean look so I, I won't press you overly you're both been mentioned Shefflin's been mentioned Connor Phelan's been mentioned Derek Ling's been mentioned as the leading contenders and Michael obviously you're you're in a, a position currently so um, I won't overly press you but uh, trying to follow that Eddie that is a tricky one there's I mean a lot of very talented candidates but going in after a legend history suggests is uh, far from easy so uh, how will all this work now people have to throw their hat in a ring I don't know, Joe, is this the short answer? And, and I'm not, as I said, that's the honest answer as well. I don't know. You, you would like to think there's a process in place. Or you'd like to think that there's a plan. Um, there should be. If not, <laughs> they probably need to get going fairly quick because I think whatever, come what may, I think, you know, for anyone that wants to get going, as you definitely need to be, you know, putting your plan in place now because uh, it is the time of this year when you can't dilly-dally because, uh, you know, club matches are swinging in and it's, it's, it's funny from the brief I had with, with Leash, you, you just can't switch off for any month of the year, really. You can have a little bit of downtime, but like with club matches there, so whoever it is, I think you'd say they, they probably need to get rocking with it quickly enough. And you must be considering it, no? Joe, as I said to you there a few weeks ago, I don't consider things until you're actually approached, and that would be my, my thing with anything. But you'd like to think with this, it's not going to be, I don't think it's going to be a case of, you know, drop in your CVs lads whoever wants it I think you know that that would be the committee's you know ideas that they would have somebody identified and and it's it's put on on their lap and see what you know do you want it or whatever so mm. we'll 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 just see what happens I suppose and Michael are you with Offley next year or is that TBC or yeah it's, it's to be confirmed Holy Joe at the moment yeah um I I've three years basically done now at this stage and that's what was kind of uh, agreed at the very start so um, so look, there could be a case of appetite for a new manager in Offaly, maybe, um, and a case for myself, maybe, maybe I brought him as far as like as far as they can go um, in one sense in terms of under my uh, management. So, so yeah, I think I know more on that this week, basically. Um, and as Eddie said, like I think we're in, we're in unknown territory here yeah. in Kilkenny because we haven't had to do this process for twenty four years. Uh, so look, the, the process will happen and. You know, the funny enough thing was Don Logue was saying a few weeks ago um, about maybe Cork going through a process and giving them the time. And within 24 hours of Kingston, of Kingston stepping mm-hmm. down, they had a new manager in. So, like, we don't know, obviously, what's going on within the county board and the exec committee. So they'll sort that and they'll get a handle on it and um, and it'll go from there, basically. But there is some good people in Kilkenny and look, and hopefully they'll get something sorted in the coming weeks. OK, OK. Brennan, I swear, if you're announced tomorrow and you've held out on us, there's going to be hell to pay. <laughs> Yo, I can, I can tell you now, that is not going to happen. <laughs> um, fellas, that was absolutely brilliant, I have to say. Thank you so much. You were so generous there with memories and thoughts. Eddie Brennan, Michael Fenley, uh, paying tribute to Brian Cody. Thanks, fellas. Cheers, Joe. Thanks so much. No matter, Joe. All the best.